Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A traveling preacher and family man. Stay vigilant, my brothers and sisters. With a secret... I don't know who you are, but you're lying to me. Mr. Richardson had been leading a double life. Washes up on the murky banks. Oh my God. This was definitely the first time I had seen someone killed with an arrow. Was this man of God targeted by a sadistic killer? No, please don't. Or did he face a demon of another sort? No vacancy, no room for the devil. It looks like the devil's our number one suspect. Ford Island Gulf Beach is a man-made strip of sand, barely holding off the swamp that surrounds it in Citrus County, Florida. There's snakes, alligators, and there's even been panthers seen out there. As the sun sets, this dense wetland turns pitch black. Only the nocturnal wildlife bears witness to any unusual activities, like a man gasping for his last breath. It's August 27, 2001, and the swampy cove is already oppressively muggy at 10.30 a.m. A local fisherman spies something peculiar floating near the muddy bank off in the distance. He thought it, at first it was a manatee that had washed up on shore, and um, upon closer inspection... Oh my God. A uh, call came out that there was a possibly drowned person in the water at the Fort Island Gulf Beach. Sure enough, where the marshland melts into murky liquid is an unmistakable form of a human body marinating in stagnant water and blood. He looked like a, a middle-aged man, approximately 250 pounds. We've got a 10-7 here at Fort Island Gulf Beach. Looks like a male possible shooting. 
It appeared as though it was an unnatural death. There was a lot of blood at the scene. There was some uh, maturation of his skin, which means that his skin had absorbed some water. It became wrinkly. Detectives Dixon and Plevel arrived to process the decomposing body. Kind of odd. You don't see slacks and loafers on the beach too often. Yeah, I wonder where he's coming from. Or where he was going. No wallet or ID is found on the John Doe, but a closer inspection reveals the bizarre way he died. I don't see an entrance or an exit wound. How about you? No. Let's roll him over. Let's see what we can find here. Wow, come on. After we turned him over, we found the a wound in his chest. There was a center hole with three lines coming out from it. Take a look at this. Is that what I think it is? It's no bullet hole or even a knife wound. Detective Dixon, an experienced hunter, recognizes the entry pattern and can't believe his eyes. The wound in his left chest, very consistent with the broadhead of a hunting arrow. I think somebody used their boy for target practice. Might have punctured his heart. How deep do you think it goes? There's no telling, but it explains all the blood. This was definitely the first time I had seen someone killed with an arrow. The only other injuries are minor scrapes on the victim's arms and tiny bites on his face, presumably from small fish after his death. Clearly, the chest wound was the fatal blow. The swampy water is wreaking havoc on crucial evidence, making the detective's job even tougher. Footprints could have been washed away. It could really hurt us on the crime scene. All detectives have is a dead body and a couple of pieces from what looked to be the weapon, a hunting arrow. Was this John Doe simply an unlucky victim of a hunting accident? Detectives can't rule out any theories, even suicide. A wound like that can absolutely be self-inflicted. I could shove it through my chest more easily than I could a knife. The autopsy will hopefully give detectives the answer. 40 yards from the body, near the dense woods, is a red Chevy truck with the driver's door wide open. If it's murder, the killer was an expert shot. Indiana plate. Still got keys in the ignition. There didn't seem to be any signs of foul play, no, no struggle. Bible, suit jacket, suit pants, mm, got a wallet. See what we got. Kenneth Richardson, and that is definitely our victim. We determined it was Kenneth R. Richardson from Indiana, uh, who was 59 years old. It's a long way from home. Business card here, on Sasa address. Probably a snowbird. Detectives come across items that suggest Ken Richardson came to Florida for more than just the sunshine. In the truck, we found a lot of religious materials, things that indicated he was a, a minister or preacher. Check this out. No vacancy, no room for the devil. Hmm. Well, it looks like the devil's our number one suspect. Perhaps the dead man had come to Florida to save souls. Detectives head the 19 miles to the address on the victim's driver's license, hoping to find more clues or next of kin. Like most towns in Citrus County, Homosassa is a leisurely community where modest retiree homesteads are engulfed by the unrelenting swampy overgrowth. 
It's really sort of old Florida with the the big trees, with the Spanish moss, a lot of working class and middle class retirees. Ken Richardson's Indiana roots fit right in with the Midwestern snowbirds of Homosassa and their decidedly conservative bent. At least we know it got the right house. Interesting welcome sign. Indeed. Doesn't look like anybody's home. Hey guys, are you looking for Ken? While we were at the house, a couple drove up that knew Ken Richardson and his wife. Glenn and Mary White were close friends with Ken Richardson. We live across the street. Oh, what's going on? Is everything okay? Unfortunately, no. I'm sorry to let you know that uh, Mr. Richardson was found dead early this morning. What, what happened? Detectives don't reveal that Ken was killed with an arrow, but they do say that he was found in the water at Fort Island Gulf Beach. The Whites tell investigators that they attended the same church as Ken Richardson, where he filled in as substitute preacher the night of his death. Brothers and sisters, are you ready to hear the word of the Lord? Say amen. Amen. Oh, Lord, the devil's in the room tonight. I'm going to need your help. Brothers and sisters, are you ready to hear the word of the Lord? Say amen. Amen. Ah, thank you, Jesus. After the sermon, Mr. Richardson and the Whites went out to dinner in Homosassa, and that was the last time they saw him was about 10 o'clock Sunday night. The beach? Yes, sir. I can't imagine what he'd be doing there. Sometimes he counsels people who are struggling. Maybe that's why he was there. The neighbors describe Ken as a devoted father who had raised two kids, Wendy and Ken Jr., and was happily married to his wife, Wanda. Mr. Richardson spoke very lovingly of his wife, Wanda. It sounded like they had a very good marriage. Ken spent his life working construction in Indiana until he retired a few years ago to take up preaching full time. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank thee for this wondrous meal. Have you told his wife? No, sir, not yet. Please call his daughter first, Wendy. The wife will just be tore up. <laughs> Detective Dixon reaches out to Wendy Morgan in Paragon, Indiana. Miss Wendy Morgan? Yeah? This is Detective Dixon of the Citrus County Sheriff's Department. I'm afraid we've got some bad news about your father. Oh my God, what, what is it? I'm sorry to tell you, ma'am, but um, he was found dead early this morning. What? <laughs> no. Hearing your dad's been, your dad's dead is a, a very difficult thing to hear. <laughs> I was 25 years old. Um, losing my dad was devastating. Wendy tells detectives her father had been in Florida for two weeks to work on the couple's retirement home and do a little preaching. Happened. We don't know yet, ma'am, but I promise you we are going to find out. My dad's 60th birthday is next week. He was supposed to be back before then. I can't believe that he's gone. My mom was devastated. She had been married to my dad since she was 17, and that was her life partner. According to Wendy, her dad last spoke to her mom around 10 p.m. the night before. Oh, honey, you should have seen it. The, it was fantastic. The congregation, they were in tears. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, you could feel the spirit of the Lord in the house that night tonight. You could feel it. Okay, honey. I will talk to you tomorrow. Love you too. Bye-bye. 
but the preacher never said his prayers that night. Instead, he took a curious detour to a dark, swampy beach and was taken down with a savage weapon. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. On August 27, 2001, the body of 59-year-old traveling preacher Kenneth Richardson was found in the sluggish tide of a murky cove in Citrus County, Florida. As you can see, it missed his heart, barely. The next morning, the medical examiner confirms the shocking way in which Ken was slaughtered. When an arrow enters the body, it cuts by means of a razor blade. The autopsy x-ray clearly shows a seven-inch arrow shaft still inside the victim. It did puncture his lung, which would have filled up with blood fairly quickly. So he bled out? Most likely he suffocated on his own blood. Not an instant death, 
very painful death. The medical examiner concludes Ken's death was no suicide. Not instant. Police interview friends and neighbors of the victim to find out who might have wanted to harm the lovable preacher. Can you think of anyone that would want to hurt Mr. Richardson? When I heard, I was just flabbergasted. I, I couldn't believe it. I thought, why would somebody want to hurt this man? He was well-liked, well-respected. He wasn't rich or wealthy man. He just, he worked all of his life in physical hard work. Despite the long hours working construction, Ken always made time for his two children. I loved my dad tremendously and got treated like the princess, raised me in church and wanted me to, you know, be a God-fearing young lady. You're gonna do great. Thank you. Okay, let's go to church. But everyone knew Ken's true calling was to preach the Pentecostal faith. He had been a preacher since I was a, a young kid. It was a life's passion to, to spread the Word of God. As I prepare sermons, I often think of the things that I need to hear. So this message is as much for me as it is for you. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. He was an evangelist, which is basically you go from church to church and preach. Ephesians 5.18 instructs us, do not get drunk on wine. We would travel a lot holding revivals. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, praise God. No doubt about it, Ken had a gift for preaching the Word of God. But he also had a secret stumbling block when it came to learning the Word of God. My dad could not read or write, so he couldn't even read the Bible. He had the whole Bible on tape, and he would listen to those so he could learn uh, the Bible and get it written on his heart. In Ken's view, being a good preacher to the flock wasn't about reading the good book. It was about reaching people through performance. Oh, praise God. My dad was, was very energetic. He didn't stand still. When he preached, um, he would bring props. So stay vigilant, my brothers and sisters. Stay pure in thought because one wrong step and you will find yourself in a hornet's nest. And you know what happens when you're near a hornet's nest? Those mean old things come out. Amen. Now we're talking. When Ken retired, he carried his religious fervor to Florida. So you see, that passage explains God's love for us. Let's have a word of prayer. And it was his well-known zeal for bringing people to Jesus that got the town tongue speculating. Neighbors thought that maybe he tried to minister to someone who took offense. You look lost, brother. Maybe Mr. Richardson had been too persistent in trying to get his message across. Jesus loves you. Just a day after the body is found, police get their first tip. Citrus County Sheriff's Department, and this is Detective Dixon. How can I help you? We got a, a call from a lady that lived on the same street with Mr. Richardson. She told us about a gentleman she saw driving Mr. Richardson's truck on Friday, which was two days prior to his murder. Police bring in a sketch artist. Oh, I remember the mustache. It was real full. Is this him? That's the guy. The sketch was of a, of a white male with straight, kind of thin hair, uh, kind of a bushy mustache. It's all they have to go on, so authorities release the composite drawing to the public and open the floodgate of callers. We received many tips, some of them very bizarre. Homicide Detective Tullivold. Homicide Detective Dixon, how can I help you? 
No, ma'am, I don't think he was killed by a terrorist. Thank you very much. For every hundred crazy tips, there's one that makes detectives' ears perk up. Homicide Detective Plivel. Uh, excuse me, I'll have to call you back. The call was from an Indiana phone number in the victim's hometown. Do you have a current address? Hung up on me, but I got a guy who's 99% sure that our sketch is a man named Wayne Warner. According to the anonymous tipster, Warner is the spitting image of the sketch. And he used to work at the same factory as Ken's wife in Indiana. It's their best lead yet. A background search on Wayne Warner confirms he spent time in both Indiana and Florida, just like the victim. Okay, sitting here, he doesn't have a hunting license, but he does have a concealed weapons permit. He also did a stint at the construction company that Richardson retired from. Interesting. So he worked with the victim and the victim's wife also. Yep, at different places. The more we followed up on him, we thought maybe that he might be our, our person. But attempts to find a current address for Wayne Warner in Indiana or Florida come up empty. Address no good. For such a promising lead, it's stalling out fast. We did a lot of things to try and track him down. Didn't have any luck. Then a young woman comes forward with an eyewitness report of Ken Richardson's vehicle on the night he was killed. I was on a date with my boyfriend at the beach and uh, I saw a red truck in the parking lot. The witness also saw a blue car parked next to Ken Richardson's red truck. We left around 2 a.m. and both the truck and the car were still there. Unfortunately, the witness didn't catch the license plate, which makes it nearly impossible for police to locate the right blue car. Pardon me, ma'am. Do you recognize either of these two gentlemen? Detectives question beachgoers to see if anyone else can shed light on this new information. Turns out Ken Richardson frequented the beach quite often and had a routine. My dad loved the beach. That was one of his favorite places to go and sit and listen to the ocean or watch the sunset. Several people reported to us that when he would arrive at the beach, he would go and float on a raft out in the water for about 45 minutes. Then he would come back onto land and he would meet up with a man and, you know, spend some time with that particular person. Great day to be on the water. Hi, I'm Ken. My dad didn't know a stranger. He would find something in common with anyone he met and eventually he would talk about God to them as well. Investigators wonder, could Ken's outgoing nature have put him in danger? Then, one week after Ken's murder, detectives get an urgent call from his wife, Wanda. Detective Dixon? Yes, I need to ask you a favor. She was needing the death certificate because it was a $10,000 life insurance policy that she stand to gain from, and also his pension would be paid to her. Why won't he issue the death certificate? Isn't there something he can do? Because of the nature of the crime and the way that the medical examiner's office works, um, it was gonna be some time before that happened. They wouldn't release the cause of death because they felt that was crucial to the investigation. Why does he have to wait for the final autopsy to be done? I need this money now. They were obviously upset 
that um, it was going to take some time. The phone call gives detectives pause. Police believe Ken's killer must have been an avid hunter given the cause of death, and Wanda Richardson is no hunter. Still, Ken's wife seems awfully interested in getting paid. Could there be somebody else involved that links back to her or another family member? We had to look at everybody. Perhaps it was just supposed to look like a hunting accident. People will do strange things to get money and they'll do terrible things to get money. Detectives plan to question Wanda Richardson when she shows up to retrieve her husband's belongings. But for now, they chase leads on person of interest, Wayne Warner. How many more addresses we got on that checklist? We've gone through a dozen or so. Warner matches the police sketch of a man a witness claims she saw driving Ken's red truck two days before the murder. Is this him? That's the guy. But Mr. Warner is proving to be as hard to catch as a catfish with your bare hands. Investigators head back to the beach to see if any other witnesses will come forward with more information. And they get a bombshell. Several people reported seeing him go off in his vehicle or off into the wooded area with other males. The woods near the beach is very secluded. It is a place that men would meet up and have these sort of illicit encounters. This new information contradicts everything detectives know about the devout preacher. You doing okay? He was almost two different people. If Mr. Richardson was leading a double life, it could absolutely put him in peril. It may be the reason why Ken was at the beach that night. You uh, come down here very often? But it still doesn't explain why someone would take his life. Days later, Wanda Richardson, the victim's wife, travels to Homosassa with her daughter, Wendy, to meet with police. Mrs. Richardson, Wendy, thank you both for coming to meet us. Where was he found? Uh, about 50 yards from here. It's okay, Wendy. My mom and dad would have been married 38 years uh, the month after he was killed. Miss Richardson, was your husband um, unhappy at all? No, not at all. He loved life. Detectives scrutinized Wanda's words and body language for signs of deception, but nothing raises their suspicion. I still can't believe this actually happened. Ma'am, here's a list of items that we found on your father's person and in the truck. Can you see if anything is missing? I, I don't see my dad's watch or wedding ring. He wouldn't have been without his wedding ring. They have to have been stolen. We found out that there was a gold nugget watch missing and a gold ring. We'll canvas the area's pawn shops to see if we can find those items. Detective Dixon then broaches a very touchy subject with Ken's wife. Did he have any friends or acquaintances that maybe you didn't approve of? Did he ever leave late at night to go meet people or? I know what you're trying to say. And he was not like that. It isn't true. Wanda tells detectives she put this nagging rumor to bed years ago. Yes, may I help you? You're Ken's wife? Yes, and you are? I'm someone you should probably know about. I don't follow. Ken and I are together. A gentleman named Tom told the wife that 
he had been involved romantically with the victim for the past 16 years. I'm trying to, to do the right thing. That's why I've come here today. Can I come in and just have a few minutes of your time? No, you are not. He told me that once your kids were grown, and they are. No. That he was going to leave you for me. I don't know who you are, but you're lying to me. Ma'am, I, I love Get out. I Get love off him. my property. Please don't do that. I'm going to call the police if you don't leave. Please don't do that. Get out. <laughs> Wanda confronted her husband when he got home. Who the hell is Tom? Tom? I don't know who you're talking about. The victim denied to the wife that he had been involved with Tom and that he was homosexual. I can't believe you would even listen to that nonsense. Well, what am I supposed to think? Who is this man? He's just an old friend from work that plays jokes on me. That's all. I'm sorry he upset you, honey. I really am. I, he should have done that. Her exact words were that Kenneth said it wasn't true, therefore it wasn't true. End of story for Wanda, but not for investigators. This kind of reinforced what we were learning at the beach about the homosexual activity. Um, that is, if we could verify it through, through Tom. Detectives meet with Ken's alleged companion the following day. He promised me that once the kids were grown, he'd leave his wife. Obviously, he never did. After all, years I waited it broke my heart detectives are now convinced that their victim did indeed harbor a secret life this new information changed the entire investigation they were now able to have a clearer idea of what it was that might have led to mr. Richardson's death we really never know everything about everyone there's always secrets that we all have and Mr. Richardson had his own set of secrets. The thing is, Tom's grief seems genuine, and he doesn't match the sketch of the man the witness saw driving Ken's car two nights before he was killed. Tom took the death very hard of, of Mr. Richardson. It was quite obvious there was a lot of love for Mr. Richardson. This leaves detectives back at square one. In October, six weeks after the murder, the medical examiner's full report is published. The autopsy showed us that the trajectory of the arrow was just at a very slight down angle, which would indicate that the arrow was shot fairly close. Investigators now know for sure that a stone cold killer aimed his bow point blank at the preacher and sent an arrow straight through his chest. He was using a, a twin cam um, compound bow, j just like the kind you would use for hunting. He would have to be inside 25 or 30 yards. The medical examiner also notes a small defensive wound on Ken's forearms. So even in the darkness on that remote area of beach, detectives believe Ken saw it coming. No! But they still have no idea why he was hunted and killed like an animal. From what police say, Definitely, Mr. Richardson had been leading a double life for years, for decades. He might have solicited somebody who's not gay. Exactly. Uh, we both know that that beach is a hangout for Bubba's, so they can drink, fish, and whatever. Detectives dub it their Bubba theory. The Bubba theory was that um, someone that was not gay was propositioned by Mr. Richardson, was offended, and, and killed him. But police haven't forgotten their most promising person of interest, Wayne Warner. According to the anonymous tipster, 
Wayne worked for the employers of both the victim and his wife. He also bears a striking resemblance to the police sketch. One second. Dixon. Yes, ma'am. Got an address on that? Great. No, thank you. Sounds like we got him. Turns out, 44-year-old Warner is only 325 miles away, working temp jobs and shuffling between friends and rundown motels in Florida City. Look, I told you guys, I don't know Wanda Richardson. Even though you worked at the same factory as her? It's a big place. I didn't work there that long. What about Ken Richardson? Do you remember seeing him at all when you were around the construction site? No. There's a lot of us working there. Let me ask you, Wayne, why the concealed weapons permit? It's just for personal protection. Ever do any hunting, Wayne? We started laying on a little bit more pressure, and he said, I know why you're here talking to me, but I didn't do it. I have a composite sketch here. I'd like for you to take a look at it and tell me who does this bear an amazing resemblance to? Kind of like me? Not kinda. Looks exactly like you, Wayne. But I don't know what to tell you. I wasn't there. Wayne Warner insists he was living in Indiana during the time of the preacher's murder and moved down to Florida two weeks later. Detectives dig a little further into his alibi and find a glitch. Warner's sister tells police her brother left Indiana August 25th, a day before the murder. And there's more. We received leads that he also had a, a light blue station wagon. Which could be the car seen parked near the victims on the night of the killing. The coincidences are too numerous to ignore. Four months after the murder, detectives decide to invite Wayne to the station for a dance with the polygraph machine. Hello? Hello, Mr. Warner. How are you? Uh, hi, Detective. Uh, what else can I do for you? On a schedule of time, you can come in. Look, Detective. I'd love to help you out, but my lawyer says I shouldn't take any lie detector test. Would help the investigation if you- Look, I know you think you have the right guy, but I didn't do it. He realized he looked like a good suspect. He was starting to get scared that we were gonna charge him with the murder. Thank you. It's a harsh blow to the investigation. Without forensic evidence to tie Warner to the crime, detectives' only hope is to somehow persuade him to confess. If he was guilty, we are gonna have to prove it a different way. I can't believe his lawyer's not gonna let him take the polygraph now. Detectives then receive a new phone tip from the preacher's home state. Yes, ma'am. This time, it's from someone who worked with Wanda Richardson, the victim's wife. It's a co-worker of Wanda. She says that the marriage to Ken was nothing but a sham and that people at work think she may have had something to do with the murder. Sounds like the rumor mill is in full swing at Wanda's job. If it's true, then Wanda wasn't honest about her marriage. Did Ken's alleged secret life push Wanda over the edge? My mom offered up to do a lie detector test to get, you know, once and for all, um, them to know that we had nothing to do with this. Do you know who killed Kenny? No. Did you hire anyone to kill Kenny? No, I loved my husband. Yes or no answers, please. 
The results on both of those questions was non-deception. But the next question raises an eyebrow. Are you in any way responsible for your husband's murder? No. But we really had a big fight right before he we went to Florida. It was so silly. He forgot to get me a birthday card. Miss Richardson, I'll remind you, yes and no answers only, please. So what do you have? Well, you can see there's no change there, no deception. Whatever the squabbles with her husband, Wanda's heartfelt regret and grief indicate to detectives a devoted wife, not a killer. I guess she really did love him. Yeah, it appears that way. Once they come back with that um, result of the of the test, it was a, a major relief for the family because now we could do whatever it was we needed to do to help them find who killed my dad. But the investigation had stalled out. The tips had sort of dried up, and it looked as though the case was going nowhere. There's times that you wonder if the person's going to ever get caught. In my heart, the comfort was to know that no matter what, the person would have to account for what they did, whether it was here or later on. But things have a way of bubbling up to the surface, even in a grungy swamp. Almost two years after the murder of Ken Richardson, police get a call that brings the case back in full force. A young woman named Kelly Callahan turns in her boyfriend of two years, Keith Benefield, for sexually abusing her four-year-old daughter. Keith Benefield was about 30 years old, and he had a, a pretty checkered past. A background check on Benefield reveals he was a felon. He was released from prison in Ohio and moved to Florida months before the murder of Ken Richardson. According to Kelly, she and Keith started dating in September of 2001, and soon after, he confessed to taking a man's life. He said he killed a man with his bow and arrow. Why didn't you tell the police about this right away? He threatened to kill anyone who ratted him out. The bastard hurt my little girl. Now do something. She gave us so much information, it sounded really good that this might be our guy. So how did this felon know Ken Richardson? And why would he put an arrow through his chest? One month later, detectives sit down with Keith Benefield, already in custody on the child molestation charge. You uh, know why we're here? <laughs> no. Ever been to Fort Island Gulf Beach? Not that I can recall. A lot of people do some hunting out there. What's that got to do with me? Do you hunt, Keith? No. You ever use a bow? There's a lot of deer out there, Keith. That's what you got, huh? Like hounds on the scent of a varmint, investigators don't let up. Let me see your hands. Those two fingers have a major callus buildup. Appears to me that you're right-handed. What do you think? Oh, I'm pretty sure those are the two fingers you use on the drawstring for a bow. Hmm. Boy, you two really make a pair, don't you? The suspect doesn't have an alibi for the night that Ken Richardson was struck down with an arrow. If Keith won't talk, police will talk to everyone he knows. Keith denied shooting bows. Um, but we found several people that told us about not only a compound bow that he owned, 
but about how he would shoot almost daily. Turns out Keith is an expert marksman with a bow. You cannot possibly be that good. How much you want to bet? Oh, really? I tell you what, I hit that bullseye. Not only are you buying me a case of beer, but you're also giving me a kiss. Okay, I think I'll take you up on that offer. All right. Oh my God, I cannot believe you just did that. I warned you. We measured that distance at 90 feet. He was very skilled. So skilled, in fact, that for Keith, piercing the chest of a victim from 25 to 30 feet away would have been child's play. Detectives search the woods behind Keith's home back in Florida and find it littered with spent arrows. You know, that one looks exactly like the one we found at the beach. Mm-hmm. You know, for a guy who said he never shot a bow before, sure are a lot of arrows around here. They were a match. The arrows were consistent with the arrow that we found with the victim. The bow used to cut down Ken Richardson was not in Keith's possession, but that didn't stop detectives from being able to tie him to the deadly arrow itself. Let's gather these up. Keith asked his stepbrother on two different occasions to hold a bow for him because he had done something really, really bad. The brother refused, did not want to get involved. According to his ex-girlfriend, Keith eventually sold that bow for $20. Thank you. Yes, sir. That was our buyer. He doesn't have the bow anymore, but he is willing to testify that Keith sold it to him back in 01. And there's more good news. Detectives find Keith's blue car at a junkyard. The previous owner is none other than Keith Benefield's mother. But it is a connection to the victim's missing gold watch that is the most damning. Miss Callahan. Oh, detective. Good to see you again. Likewise. Kelly told us about a time when they were hard up for money, and Keith gave her a gold nugget watch to pawn. Can you spot the watch that your boyfriend Keith had you pawn? Ah. Uh, that one. That's it. This one, you're sure? That's the one. The things that really tied Keith Benefield to this case were the matching arrows that were found on his property, the fact that he had the gold watch pawned, that he drove a blue car. In my opinion, all those things add up to a killer. Benefield refuses to confess. But detectives have the killer's earlier confession to his girlfriend that'll stand up in court. Kelly told us that Keith was out at the beach fishing. So what kind of fish you plan on catching this time of year? Oh, I'm not really sure. I'm just gonna take my chance to see what hits out there. A gentleman approached him. Well, what the hell with you? Hey, man, don't touch me, all right? Seriously. You know, some people come down here for some excitement, you know what I mean? What are you doing? Some people come down here to um, enjoy themselves. You touched me for the last time. You messed up now, buddy. He got propositioned by Mr. Richardson on several occasions, and he finally had enough. I got something for you, old man. Oh, no, no, listen, I was only kidding. No, no, please don't. Please don't, no! Ah! 
Investigators will never truly know how or why the killing happened. The final account of the murder is the murderer's account. It's the only account we truly have. I don't know that I would believe anything that he said about what happened um, because he's already known to be a criminal. To avoid the death penalty, Keith Benefield pleads guilty to second degree murder and is sentenced to 30 years. It felt very good when, when it was finished. Can't hurt anybody else. It was a long case for everyone involved. It provided a, a big sense of closure for the community in general. For Ken Richardson's family, the pain and loss will never heal, but they are comforted by their faith. Even in the scariest moment, I know my dad wouldn't have been alone. Um, God was still there. That's stamps.com. Code program.